welcome everyone to Uncorked with Holly and Gina. We're excited you've joined us for a conversation to unleash your inner badassery and uncork your magic. This is the no bullshit, all truth, nothing but fun podcast. And don't worry, we've got you for our VIP. Hello, everyone. Welcome to LOA Uncork. This is Holly. And this is Gina. And Gina and Holly aren't together again today. Yes. No, not yes. again. Okay, we're not together today. You know, I, I was thinking about this today, though. This I is think a first. This is, it, it is a first. I think we did some of this during the pandemic, but it was just you and I. So we didn't have right. a beautiful, lovely guest. Um, so I was I thinking today, this is probably going to be good for us because I think I'll talk over you less and you'll run into me less because we have to like coordinate it better. So I actually think we're, our skills will improve from a distance. Our skills That's might thing. improve. Well, we want to, <laughs> we want a good showing for our genius today. I'm going to call Absolutely. her a genius. We so admire her work and there was no way we were going to change this date. We have been looking forward to it and it snowed and we can't get together. And that's the real truth, but we mm-hmm. are carrying forward. So thank you everyone for being here. And I can't wait to talk about our guests. So we have Dr. Jude Curavan in the house LOA today, and we are excited. She's, wait for it, a cosmologist, planetary healer, a futurist, and an author. Okay, best-selling. She has written a cosmic hologram, and her story is now out, her latest, greatest, the story of Gaia, the big mm. breath and the evolutionary journey of our conscious planet. I love that title. Mm. I want to know whether this is a love story or something. I'm. Uh, we're going to ask, okay? Mm-hmm. And she's also like, listen, so Gina, you and I are business women. Yeah, yeah. We, she actually shares that with us. She was a senior international businesswoman. And she's a member of the Evolutionary Leaders Circle and the co-founder of Whole World View. Mm. She holds, wait for it, Gina, this is going to scare us. She holds mm. a PhD in archaeology. Mm-hmm. I'd like to go on a dig. Have yeah. you been? Well, maybe we can ask her if she's been on yeah, digs. She has. Sure. She's saying yes. That would mm-hmm. be fun. We'd have a good time at the dig. Um, and a master's degree from Oxford University, especially in cosmology and quantum physics. Mm-hmm. And she, int- I know, I know, I know. Okay. And integrates leading edge science, which we're going to talk about that and universal wisdom teachings, which oh, I love that subject, aiming to serve us and help us get through this thing called life, life. I think. Mm. So welcome, Dr. Jude, to the show. Wow. Holly and Gina, it's my great pleasure. And I had nothing to do with the snow. That is <laughs> the first time ever you two are not in the same studio. <laughs> I know. I know. Uh, we Like Holly said, we were on the phone until late last night. And, you know, uh, I, I do live quite a ways away. And so it would take me a, get, a bit to get there and I'd be first thing in the morning. And I mean, we just got quite a bit here. Holly's much better off, but um, I was just like, we can't cancel, but we have to improvise. And here we are we're improvising. Here we are. Yes. We can do it. I We can. If, if Dr. Jude can come and talk with us, we can figure out how to make this happen for sure. Absolutely. 
absolutely right. And here we are. <laughs> well, thank you again. I, as Holly said, it's a real privilege to have you and host you on the show and share you with our audience today. You know, um, Holly and I were chatting quite a bit about your background last night and, and kind of that final prep in, in addition to all the, the prep that's been done prior and getting our head around the conversation. And, you know, I thought we would just start, typically we start with kind of asking you to share a little bit about yourself, um, which I think you could weave in here, but we really want you to share with our audience what a cosmologist is exactly and how you went from business yeah. to <laughs> cosmology. Like what, what, what was that shift for you? And if you could kind of share that story, I think it'll really ground the rest of our, our conversation today, Dr. June. Well, Same. and Gina, we really kind of want to know whether our second half of life, we could become a cosmologist. We're business ladies. Can yeah, we change? I mean, I think I know <laughs> the answer to that as I was popping my Fred Flintstone vitamins this morning. I'm pretty sure I know, but but it would be good to hear how optimistic Jude might be about us. <laughs> I'm so optimistic about you guys. <laughs> Absolutely no problem. Because you know what a cosmologist is really about? Curiosity. Oh. And I sort of didn't go from being a business person to a cosmologist. I was a cosmologist essentially when I was four years old because my mum used to say, my favorite, my favorite word of all time is why? 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 And my and my, you know, so that sort of curiosity about the nature of reality has been with me all my life. And that really, mm. at the end of the day, is what being a cosmologist is about. So you guys are there. You've done it. You're already cosmologists. Oh, I, I love, love it. Answer. We're honorary cosmologists, Gina. This is a but, good day. But don't you think, <laughs> Dr. Jude, I mean, I, I think I see it in business even. I feel like there's a real lack of mm, practice, uh, uh, nurturing of a curious mind and questions. I feel like they're just, I find in business, even that they're just, things are just so, and there's very few people pushing for the why and the historic understanding and how could we do it differently? So I'm just kind of curious in, as a curious person through life, if you find that that is um, an art or a skill that isn't shared by by many for you? Well, I think as children, we're all curious. We're all curious. I don't know a child that isn't no. curious, no. but there's something in our societies that sort of over time sort of try to, or not try, but tend to push that curiosity you know, subdue it or peripheralize it or whatever. Mm -hmm. And the other question that then tends to be asked is more about how mm -hmm. rather than why. And for me, they go together, but why is a deeper question? Mm -hmm. And then the how sort of presents itself. But, you know, there, there's always a why. There is always a why to something. Yeah. But if we don't ask that why, we tend to skate on the surface of the how and that can get us caught, you know, it can get us caught in all sorts of boxes and cul-de-sacs and dead ends, you know. And, and uh, my sense is that the, the reason that we tend to ask how rather than why is very related to, I think, our collective worldview. Because over the last couple of hundred years, despite you know, all of the pioneering work of the quantum physicists and Albert Einstein and others a hundred years ago, 
we still pretty much live in what I call a mechanistic society. Mm -hmm. And that society, that mechanism is really based on the old paradigm, which is still pretty prevalent, that our world is just material and made up of separate stuff. Mm -hmm. So on that basis, if, if that's the world, which is basically also without meaning or purpose, right, then right. the question of why, it sort of becomes superfluous because that's how it is. So it's right. more about how and what we do about the house. And yet that paradigm, that worldview now, well, the paradigm is being completely turned on its head. Instead of, you know, a, a universe that is essentially accidental and random and doesn't have innate meaning and purpose, mm. things are, you know, it's separate stuff. All of that now has been turned on its head by leading edge science, by scientific mm. discoveries. And what these are doing is they're converging really with ancient and universal wisdom teachings to reveal that our universe exists and evolves as a unified entity. Mm. It meaningfully exists and it purposefully evolves. So everything in it, including us, has meaning and purpose. And when we do that, we bring consciousness right in the center. Mm. And then we can't avoid asking why. It's like, whoa, hang on. <laughs> We've asked a lot of hows. This is really offering us an opportunity and a necessary call to dig deeper, to understand deeper, and to raise those questions of why. And I think it can answer those questions. Yeah. If nothing else, I think your work definitely shared with all of us that it's a responsibility and obligation to, and necessary to understand the well, world in a been, different way than we historically have. Go ahead, Holly. Yeah. Sorry, Gina. I'm sorry. Oh, um, so, I mean, we have been living in this world of separateness, you know, that we yeah. all, and we still see that today. And, your work and the scientific community are now saying everything's connected. And when you speak about this universe and connectedness, is that the quantum field? So can, can we tie it back to what is the quantum field and why is it necessary for us to understand that? Mm -hmm. Well, first of all, I'd say quantum is so last century. <laughs> I love that. <laughs> I love cutting edge Dr. Jude. You're, you're right, but that is the buzz term, right? What are we going to call it? Let's rebrand the universe. She loves to rebrand everything. I love rebranding to something this, new and fresh. Yes. Holly, this is your time, my darling. <laughs> this is the time. The thought of rebranding our universe, I love that it's in safe hands now. So that's <laughs> well, you might have to hear how she's rebranded other things to make you say that. You you Nonetheless, she'll do it for you. Yeah. Well, I know she will. I know. I've no doubt of that. Yeah. Yeah. That's awesome. Basically, it's because we now know with all of these latest discoveries, and they really are every scale of existence and across many different fields of research, that the appearance of our universe, it's energy matter, it's quantized energy matter, mm. and it's non-quantized space-time, actually arise from deeper non-physical realms of 
intelligence, cosmic intelligence and causation. Mm -hmm. And they do that as meaningful information. Let me take a step back here because I think yeah. this is really vital to everything we, we sort of move on with. When we are having this, our conversation now, we're speaking words, okay? And our words in the English language are made up of an alphabet of 26 letters, A, B, C, D, through. Each letter of itself doesn't have any meaning. Mm -hmm. It's only when we bring letters together and we could make them into gobbledygook, but we make meaning of them in words, in sentences, in poetry, in books, in songs, what our universe does to embed cosmic meaning as our universe, it actually uses just two letters of an alphabet and they are ones and zeros, just like our, you know, our digitized technologies. Mm -hmm. But our universe does it with just those two letters. And it does it in a way that then when they accumulate into atoms and molecules, and stars and planets and people, the meaning of the entire universe is expressed and manifested. So instead of quantum energy matter uh, or non-quantized space-time, we need to start thinking more about meaningful information expressed as the appearance of our universe. And, of course, quantized energy matter is perfect for that meaning because it, it because of its what quantum means is, is package which mm. is essentially like notes of music if there weren't notes of music there'd just be a, a sort of continuum but we wouldn't have the beatles we wouldn't have abba we wouldn't have bach <laughs> we wouldn't have mozart you know we have all the music we have because of individuated notes of music that we can see as diverse, but, you know, but they're not separate. Equally, the information that informs energy matter, the quantized nature of energy matter is key because it then is notes. It's the notes of that information that then can be expressed mm. and shared and, 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 and manifested and experienced. So the quantization is vital, but it's not the most fundamental understanding that we now have. What yeah. we now have is that all the appearance of our universe is at its ground of being, is meaningful information. Um, so I'll stop there so that <laughs> we can see how you respond to that. But but I know the second part of your question is why does this matter? Mm -hmm. Because we are part of our universe. Yeah, we have in we're part of the ones and the zeros, right? We are, yeah, we are, and and it doesn't make it not real, Holly. It, it, it's that's the way that cosmic consciousness creates what we call our universe. Reality is real, but separation's an illusion. That's the point. Our universe exists and evolves as a unified entity meaningfully wow. and purposefully. And so we have meaning and purpose. So this old paradigm that was essentially without meaning and purpose was essentially a random accidental story is now being revealed as, as being fundamentally incorrect. And it's not to blame anyone. There's no shame or blame or judgment here. Right. There's a journey that we've gone on and we've now to point 
where we've discovered a lot, but now we need to remember who we really are if we're going to continue to survive and thrive and hopefully evolve as a species. I love that. So you say in your book, nothing is random. And we love that comment. So Mm -hmm. it feels like if there's zeros and ones, and we all have part of that or a string of those to make us, I don't know, it's fun to think about that, right? Mm -hmm. Um, So nothing is random. Can you talk about that? Well, what we see is we see at all scales of existence the patterns of this meaningful information. And they're, they're na- they have a number of names, but one name that, that you know, may be familiar to quite a lot of the folks who are with us are fractals. Mm. Yeah. And fractal patterns we see not just throughout the natural world, but we see them in collective human behavior. Mm-hmm. So when, for example, um, we analyze uh, an ecosystem, say the Amazon basin, and we look at all the information that makes up its plants, its trees, its animals, all of it, we find fractal patterns throughout that ecosystem. When we investigate the internet, the studies that were done fairly early on in the internet, because it's got so vast now, but the earliest studies showed that all of the websites, the nodes, the you know the URLs, all the techie stuff that I I'm terrible at. Um, <laughs> but when we analyze how the internet is, even though it came out of a number of what appear to be separate uh, investigations, um, nonetheless, is fractal. The patterns mm-hmm. in an ecosystem, the patterns in the internet are the same. And we find this throughout all reality, whether it's human behaviors or what we might have hitherto called nature or the natural world and at all scales. So because we're seeing these patterns and we know that they represent this informational reality, and we've got much else to, to show us this too, it means we can see ourselves and our roles in the world and who we are in very different ways than than we've been doing so over the last couple of hundred years. But this is the sort of way in which the ancients understood universal wisdom teachings, you know, tell us that mind and consciousness mm-hmm. aren't something we have. They literally what we and the whole world are. Mm-hmm. They tell us that we're part of this interconnected, interdependent web of life. We are. They tell us that reality is meaningful and purposeful, and it is. Mm-hmm. And ultimately, the deepest of those traditions tell us that we are co-creators of a universe of love. Mm-hmm. And we are, and it is. I love that. And so the story of Gaia is, did you, well, I should ask you instead of assuming why you wrote that. <laughs> so why did you write that? And was the timing of this book, divine? everything's divinely timed, but was the timing of this book such that it's a reminder to us when we live in so much fear right now that, you know, we fear the, you know, war, nuclear weapons. We have an economy that's in a, in the dumps. We have 
stuff going all over the world. Systems, not systems just, that yeah, do systems no longer serve us. Yeah. And, yeah. and so and maybe they don't go together with your book, but maybe you can just kind of talk about that because it feels like fear is running rampant. Maybe that's a way to control everybody, but I just, what's your thoughts on that? <laughs> I, I agree. Um, I feel the book wrote me actually. Mm. And it wrote me when it was ready to write me. Mm. And, you know, going back, five, nearly six years, my previous book, The Cosmic Hologram, was the same thing. And the, the story of Gaia is the second of a trilogy. So we have The Cosmic Hologram, which is about understanding all of this. The story of Gaia is more about experiencing mm. this. And then the third book in the trilogy, I hope, if if I'm privileged enough that it, it considers me okay to write through me, then sure of that. <laughs> very kind. Will be about embodying what oh. is coming forward. So the story of Gaia, um, and all of this is based on the latest evidence. So, you know, when I wrote the cosmic hologram, I, I noticed that the evidence that I was including in there was so recent. And even after that's been written, more mm -hmm. evidence has come forward that I, I talked to in the story of Gaia. But this is so recent. You know, this is, mm -hmm. this is, these are discoveries that are maybe, you know, were literally up to the time when I had to, to submit the manuscript. Oh, wow. Of the books. They're that recent. Mm -hmm. And most of them, the ones that I, I cite, are probably no more than five to 10 years old at max. So, mm -hmm. It's like the evidence is coming forward now because we need the evidence to come forward now. Yeah. Because yeah. a lot of people, you know, would say, I mean, when I've said the, I've said these things all my life and people say, well, show me the evidence, show me the evidence. <laughs> and fair enough. But it's only really been recently that the depth of evidence and the breadth of evidence is able to be shared in this way. And it's not just by me, of course, it's by many, many, many others and many thousands of researchers. But nonetheless, it seems that, yes, there is a divine timing in bringing this forward because we need to hear this message now, it seems to me. And we need it to be based on authentic, you know, evidence that can't be just swept under a carpet mm -hmm. we, because this is, this to me is the only authentic hope we have yeah. as a species because this is showing us that we literally are inseparable. We're, we're diverse, we're each unique, but we're inseparable from each other, from our planetary home Gaia, from the whole universe. And this mm. is such a profound and I think important message for us as a species at the moment. So it's um, the work that you are doing as part of this human awakening and evolution around, you know, what has been and what really is and, and really showing up and engaging in life and in the world, in the universe, in a way that is evolved from what it was. Because I feel like there is this awakening happening within, within us all, within the human race um that i just hope we're not too late for uh you know with with the shape of the world and the state of affairs and the you know and i think about it just within it our relationship to 
earth. You think about it in relationship to all matter, uh, which again, <laughs> not enough Flintstones vitamins this morning for me to like get that out of my head. But the impacts, just, just thinking about the earth and Gaia, like, I just hope we're not too late. So I would love your thoughts on that. Well, I'm a, some hope, I, Dr. Chute. <laughs> I, I, I think that, that her book is hope. I right? know it is. I, yes. For yeah. those who haven't read it. Yeah, sure. Yeah, please. Her, book. Mm-hmm. her books uh, are hope. I, I Thank you. Thank you. And I, I guess that was my sense of, of being able to serve to bring them forward in that way. And, you know, I think it's really important that this is not a false hope. This is authentic. You know, a dear friend of mine, Dr. Julie Kroll, said, you know, unity isn't an ideal. It's real. Oh. Yeah. And and it's Oh, we think of it as an ideal. Yeah. Mm -hmm. But it isn't. It's the fundamental nature of reality. You know, our universe exists and evolves as a unified entity. I mean, we're even taught just to sort of get us, you know, on the line that, you know, the old the old paradigm of, of meaningless and, and purposelessness, an accident, you know, the very name we give to the origin of our universe has been the Big Bang. Mm-hmm. And it wasn't big, it was minute. We know that. That's always been a yeah. sort of a, a sort of a, a scientific in-joke. We know it was tiny. But you know, well, the this idea was the Hollywood blockbusters, the big bang, right? The big yeah. bang. Absolutely. <laughs> and, and you know, the bang. I mean, if I was to ask the two of you, what comes to mind when I say bang? Or you shoot somebody. <laughs> yeah. A, a violent. It's a, violent. For me, it's a yeah. violent term. Yes. Yeah. yeah. And chaos. Yeah. It's like and chaos. Yes. Chaos, you know? mm-hmm. And yet we know because, and this is the absolute wonder of technology. We know because we can go back 13.8 billion years to the very origin of our universe and now understand that it began in the most minute way. Yes, that we we understood before. But instead of a bang, it began in the most incredibly ordered, fine-tuned, exquisitely fine-tuned way. I mean, you know, one in a trillions of trillions of times way in the sense of how the the laws of physics play together and how, you know, um, universal constants fit together. Mm. It was extraordinarily fine-tuned. So instead of a big bang, I describe it as the first moment of an ongoing big breath. So as Mm. space has expanded ever since and time's moved forward, this great breath our universe's breath, our universe soul's breath. And that, again, was something that the ancients spoke to, the ancient sages, the wise teachers of ancient India, um, the Vedic scholars called it the breath of Brahman. And and when I say big breath and ask you, how does that make you feel? You know, it's expansive. It's ordered. It's good, right? Life-giving. Yes. Life-giving. Life-giving. Yeah. Yes. Like yeah. breath is life. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Exactly. And isn't it wonderful that the word that the ancient Indians had for breath was the same as for spirit, which oh. is prana. So bringing this together in this way, and we have the evidence that this is the way, Um almost brings it back. It's like the whole universe breathes through us. When we breathe, we're breathing the whole universe. So there's an incredibly intimate mm. relationship just by renaming how our universe came into being. 
Oh, oh it, that you're so you rebranded even that. I love you, Dr. Jude. <laughs> okay. Like it's so good. So I want to get your opinion of something. So when I just recently, I, we know astrology and I was talking to somebody and they say, well, that's not God. And, you know, that was just recent Gina. I got that yeah. and I thought, oh, I thought, you know, young people kind of like it. You know, it's on the Snapchat and all the social things for like young kids, you know, your sun, moon and rising. And so the question is, is how does this science interrelate with religion? We're in a progressive part of the United States in Seattle. Not everybody thinks like us. You know, there's a lot of people that don't think and just astrology threw people off, you know, how does that interrelate? And then the other side of that is we really have a passion about teaching children about consciousness from a very young age. And we'd love to change the, or adapt the public school system so that we grow up knowing our, we're breathing in the universe. We are one, we're not separate and bring more love into, instead of like learning about all the wars, we're like, really? Okay. You know? And so what's your opinion of how to integrate this cutting edge? I mean, when you talk about it, it calms me. It's, it's expansive. How do we get everybody on board? with that <laughs> well a lot of the work, uh, thank you for that you know really light question that i can answer in probably about 10 seconds not um this this is fundamental this is vital isn't it because yeah. you know what how we teach our children is crucial to how the whole of our future um you know the direction of the whole of our future yeah. and we've been teaching our kids that, you know, essentially they're, they're part of a universe without meaning and purpose. So what does that yeah. say about them? And we've been teaching them that, you know, everything in our universe is separate from anything else. So what's that teaching them about themselves? Having said that, you know, and I know, and I think any parent pretty much knows that our children come into this world knowing mm -hmm. they're inseparable, you know? And, and so when at an early age, they begin to realize that their earth walk is one of individuation. It's mm. still individuation as part of a community. It's only mm. when we teach them this separateness that that then becomes, you know, extreme individuation. And of course, with that comes a lot of fear, fear of the other, fear of folks who aren't like them. So I think that's this, this is why this is so fundamental. Yeah. Um, the other thing you asked about religions, you know, there's there's a there's a, an old adage: there are many paths up the same mountain. Mm. Um, and and I work with with many people in the Parliament of World Religions, in interspirituality, in interfaith groups, and I think this new story, this new narrative, is so whole that it has place. It has a place for everyone whether someone yeah. is religious or not religious, mm -hmm. whether someone perceives themselves as spiritual or not. And I think the key to this, though, 
is what my dear friend um, Elizabeth Sartoris, the evolutionary biologist, talks about, which is the metaphor of the piano keyboard. And she says, you know, think of a piano keyboard. You've got the the low notes at one end and you've got the high notes at the other end. And, you know, there are folks in the in the low end, as it were. And I'm not sort of judging low and high, but, you know, that that, those notes and and they see the high folks and and go, oh, that's not you know, that's not for me. That's nonsense. You know, that's spiritual Mm -hmm. or I don't believe in it or whatever it may be. And you've got folks along the keyboard and at the perhaps the top end who sort of, you know, denigrate others that don't have the same view. The reality is all of us are part of a cosmic piano keyboard. And mm. our consciousness ranges from the, you know, the most grounded yes. physicality to the highest levels of spirituality. And it's they're not separate. I, and yet many religions are sort of almost made the the spiritual and other separate. And yet, um, for me, I would say that God is, God is our universe. God is everything. How, how could something not be God or to use another word, Allah, use another word, great spirit, great Mm -hmm. mystery, cosmic mind, because what we're finding is what those most profound universal wisdom teachers teachings have shown us is that we are ultimately all one within that mm. multidimensional, you know, our multidimensional universe and an infinite and eternal cosmos. Mm. So within that, this isn't to fear, it's to welcome. Yeah. Because this is a this is a world of love. This is a, a world of life. This is a world that is empowering and uh, where it's unity is expressed not just in diversity, you know, or even beyond that in inclusion, but I talk about unity and belonging. We all belong. Yeah. We don't have to ask permission to join this party. <laughs> we, we belong. We you were belong. intentionally invited to this party, right? You don't need an invite, you just show up. Right. You just yeah, you you were part of that's part of the matter coming together and being here at <laughs> exactly. a certain time. I love that. Exactly. I love that. Well, I really feel that um, the life we're in right now, the time we're in is really pushed myself. I know Gina as well, because we talk about it, about being judgment free. And what we have these badassery principles. And one of them is, is the only diet we endorse is the judgment free diet. But I will say that I can't, with what's happening in the world, you want to judge everything. And so it's really brought me um, into a more humble place that even though this is one of my principles, I struggle with it. I think we'll always struggle with that since we're human. I mean, I haven't risen above that yet, but it is something that we try to strive for right now. Um, And it's pushed us, you know, with everything that's happening in the world. I, I absolutely understand that. I, I guess a, a perhaps a, a slightly different perspective on that is in, in my experience, you know, when I judge something or a circumstance or somebody, mm-hmm. I'm projecting me onto that <laughs> circumstance or somebody. Yeah. And yet I would also feel that instead of judgment, discernment. Mm-hmm. 
Because for me, discernment is how I feel about something, not imposing it, but how it makes me feel. And, you know, if somebody is cruel, you know, if somebody mm-hmm. acts in a cruel way, I would discern that that is not a life-enhancing behavior. Mm. And so, I, you know, I would not just go away and not say anything. Mm-hmm. And I've had many circumstances in my life where, you know, I've said something, but I've, I've said it from the heart. Mm-hmm. And I've not said, oh, you know, you make me or I this. It's I mm-hmm. feel this. Yeah. And I feel hurt by this, or I feel unheard by this, or I, yeah, it's, it's, it's how it makes me feel. So, and I find that quite helpful when there are circumstances that are quite challenging, but I always have to, you're right. I always ask, like you guys, I always have to ask myself first, am I judging here? Yes. Right. No, but I love that refinement. Very, very. Well, because without discernment and without people um, putting in some of those bumpers up and sharing how behavior makes you feel. I, I think we're enabling some of those systematic behaviors in our, in our world that have, have brought us to today in both positive and negative ways. And so how do we continue to evolve in a loving positive way and create structures and systems and human engagement with one another that supports that more loving universe. Mm-hmm. And yeah. I think discernment and some people being willing to say, we can do better as humans. Let's do better as humans. Exactly. And and start with ourselves and yeah. start with yeah. ourselves. Yeah, absolutely. I love that. So I'm a math girl. I want to go back to zeros and ones. I can count those really fast. (laughs) So, and maybe that's not exactly what we're talking about, but I think, okay, can we, Dr. Jude, move around the zeros and the ones and manifest things? How do we play with this, this universe to consciously create a life that we've dreamed of. We talk about that day and night here in our podcast yeah. and we play, we like to, Gina and I play with the universe and then we laugh at it. Okay. We are like, you're so funny. Okay. And yeah. we, have I think it's dialogue. technically laughing at us, but nonetheless, I think you're, I think the universe is laughing at us. <laughs> I think so too. It feels that way sometimes, and I like it. I like it. We're laughing. We're projecting our laughing on them. Okay. We're (laughs) like, oh, they're so funny. That is so clever. So we we actually spend a ton of time Uh looking at what is the universe communicating and how is it communicating? And the more we talk about it and laugh about it and love on it, it seems like the more we fun we play with Mm -hmm. the universe and and it plays with us. It's probably just it's batting back. us around like a cat, like Alan the cat is batting my stuff around, <laughs> probably. What do you think, Jude? Tell us, tell us the secrets. I can't wait. <laughs> I'll, I'll give you, as we say here, my two penneth on this, or you would say five cents on this. Um, <laughs> um, we manifest whether we're consciously aware of it or not. 
Yeah. Because we are inseparable. Yeah. We are also informational beings and our information expresses itself energetically. So we're radiating, we're vibrating, we're radiating, we're receiving, yeah, yeah. you know, probably only a tiny fraction of the circumstance around us, we're conscious, yeah, you know, at this level conscious aware of. There is so much like an iceberg beneath the surface. Mm -hmm. So our worldviews in that sense, we tend to internalize and they become below the radar often. So we act out our worldviews, you know, that are there at the deeper level, even mm -hmm. when we're not aware of that. Mm -hmm. So the more we can, in a way, um, and this is, you know, inner work, it, it cannot be the, just the outer being. This is outer doing. This is the inner being as well. So mm -hmm. finding time to sit quietly. I'm not saying meditation is for everyone. It's not for me personally. Mm -hmm. um, I'm not saying yoga is for everyone. It's not for me. Dancing to Abba is for me. Love but it. We're going on a dig, Dr. Jude. I want to go on an archy dig with you. And we're going <laughs> to dance to Abba. I'm going to Abba, I know. speaker. Yeah. And we're gonna we're gonna have a good time. Anyway, let's yeah. keep going. Sorry. <laughs> Absolutely. So th this whole thing is we we can't not radiate. We can't not affect right. others, and they affect us, whether we're aware of it or not. So what we think, what we say, how we feel, what we do, is part of that ongoing interdependent, interrelational, um, collective, planetary sentience that mm -hmm. I write about in the book as Gaia, but we're part of that. So to give an example of, of your point, Holly, about how do we sort of change this, um, I'll give you an example of two systems. To, you know, we talked about patterns earlier on mm -hmm. and how ecosystems and the internet and, and all complex systems and all, you know, the entirety of our universe plays out in this way, arises from deeper levels of, of causation. So. People, you know, who study earthquakes wanted to understand, is there such a thing as an average earthquake? Because if you can understand that, you can help to predict earthquakes mm -hmm. more effectively. So hundreds, if not thousands of earthquakes have been analysed. And when they're analysed, there's only one relationship between them. There's no such thing as an average earthquake. Instead, if you have a graph of earthquakes and one axis is the frequency of earthquakes and the other is their destructive power, and we talk about this, we talk about the Gutenberg-Richter scale you might have heard of of earthquakes. It's a logarithmic scale. So if you plot frequency versus destructive power, you get a straight line on the graph. <laughs> and that straight line, its, it's slope says that there's only one relationship that connects every earthquake. An earthquake of twice the power, logarithmically, is four times less likely to happen. That's it. Okay. Mm. Thousands, from the hugest earthquakes to the tiniest, mm. just that relationship. Now, let's look at something else. Let's look at human conflicts which you wouldn't think would have anything to do with earthquakes. Well, at the end of the Second World War, a researcher called Lewis Richardson analysed conflicts from world wars down to regional um, wars down to smaller scale conflicts, and he plotted them on a graph. 
And he plotted the frequency against the destructive power. And in this case, it was the number of human deaths. Okay. Oh. And then a few a couple of decades later, actually, um, researchers at the University of Miami, Neil Johnson, his team, looked at insurgencies in Iraq and Afghanistan and graphed deaths and frequencies. When all of those were graphed, there was a single relationship. And it was the same as the relationship between earthquakes. Mm. Mm -hmm. A conflict of twice the number of fatalities logarithmically is roughly, it's a little bit different on the slope, but the relationship is the same. A conflict that kills twice the number of people logarithmically is around four times less likely to happen. Mm. So what this shows is that conflicts mm. and earthquakes, like all of the appearance of our universe, arise from these deeper levels of causation. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And they're called attractors because what they are is that if they're, they're almost like a, a basin of information, but it's not yet physicalized, but it's like a basin of information, of data points that's dynamic yeah. and moving. And if a circumstance, a situation like an ecosystem is able to hold within its boundaries, then it will be stable. But if circumstances mean that, you know, it, it can't hold within its boundaries, it's like a basin of water and the water gets, and it's starting to do this mm -hmm. and it gets sloshier and sloshier, mm -hmm. the ecosystem can't hold and it breaks down. It breaks down and then it can actually reassemble okay. at some point into potentially greater complexity. Now, let's take this back to human conflicts. The attractor basin that underpins all of our behaviors is our collective level of consciousness. Mm. So if our collective level of consciousness is one primarily of separation, then conflicts are a natural appearance of that, mm -hmm. as are inequalities, as are, you know, all the things that we find mm -hmm. in the world. Sure because of that perception of separation. A worldview of wholeness, of unity and diversity, is at a higher level of complexity. So instead of conflicts, in such a perception, if there's enough data points or enough people points mm -hmm. in that consciousness attractor, then peace is the natural outcome then equalities are the natural outcome, then unity in diversity and belonging are the natural outcome. And we're at a point now, it seems to me, that that old attractor of separation is breaking down. Yeah. Because it cannot hold, because we are in an unsustainable, existentially threatened situation. So what that happens is that breakdown of itself involves fear, but also at the same time, and this is what's happened throughout Gaia's story, mm -hmm. that whole journey <laughs> of Gaia, when there's been a breakdown of the old, there's been a breakthrough of the new. Mm. And that's been in terms of biological complexity. We're now talking in human terms of evolutionary consciousness. 
So the more of us that wake up to remember we're inseparable, the more of us that make a choice to be kind, the more of us that make a choice not to be judgmental but be discerning and involving and inclusive and joyous and grateful, the more that higher level evolutionary attractor is potentizing. Mm -hmm. And that's why we're seeing that now start to emerge. Oh, I love potentizing, Gina. I love that. I that gets me excited to be like a chemist or something because we can do that. <laughs> like we all have the power to show up and in a way that is pulling up the energy levels, right? Um, by all those, just it feels like what we were taught as a young kid, you know, do unto others and treat others the way like it's simple things. I mean, we were taught it at the most small, I mean, our, at the youngest age. Absolutely. It's, you know, that golden rule is universal. You find it. Um, A friend of mine analyzed the wording of, of the equivalent of a golden rule across 19 different traditions and of course the golden rule because it comes from that what i'd call that deeper um spirituality yeah. of, of 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 organization not the organized religion but from that deeper sort of insights that wise loving insights of the founders yeah. who knew were inseparable who knew mm-hmm. we were inseparable if you actually look at the golden rule do unto others and our planetary home, Gaia, as you would wish to be done to, in a way that implies there's no separation. Correct. You know, there was that understanding there. So it's a simple, it's a simple principle, but it's based on profound wisdom. Yeah. It infers um, equitable exchange, equitable, you know, partnership, you know, do unto others as you would have done to you. Like it, it, it infers there's a sameness Yes. in terms of, of how people will want to be treated is no different than how you would want to be treated. Um, and your humanness is the same as others. So exactly. Yeah. And also that when you harm others, you, you, we do, I mean, we know this, you know, from, from what we've been sharing, we do harm ourselves. Mm-hmm. So it isn't just a, you know, somebody behaves unkindly, they're not just being unkind to someone else. They're being unkind to themselves. To themselves. Yeah. 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 No, I. I yeah. love that you are doing this beautiful work that gives us the why, that gives us the science, that gives us this inspiration. And then I think it's up to us, Gina, and all of our listeners to spread the love, spread the unity and, and the message as much as possible. And that's how we raise all of our consciousness. Yeah. For sure. Yeah, exactly. And it's an invitation, isn't it? I mean, it is Holly, what you were saying earlier about judgment and we're chatting through that. um, This isn't an imposition. This Mm. is an invitation. Yeah. Yeah. That is so very true. I mean, uh, uh, for most of us, it's just, um, like you said, being still and quiet and intentional about how you live your life and, you know, recentering because as humans, it's easy to get lost in the wilderness as we're walking through life. You know, there are times where you can, 
you know, without friends or guidance or beautiful reminders that I, I get all the time from like a Holly, uh, you know, you could easily find yourself slipping into some of those habits that are, are less supportive of raising the human vibration and creating that uh, world of oneness around you. And that if we all did that, we'd get there. Um, but you have to model the way too, and it's easy to slip. And so I, I feel like uh, what you were talking about, about just being still and remind it's an internal job and it's, and it's not hard work. It's, no, it's not. It yeah. really is. And it, it, this is the point. It, it is, it is simple. It really yeah. is. But yeah. sometimes it isn't easy. Mm-hmm. And that's why it's so important that we have each other. Yeah. And that we link up and lift up together, you know, yeah. in our great unity and diverse belonging to, yeah. to, to move forward together. And I think this is our time. And, you know, yeah. I'm just so grateful for the work that you're doing in the world because sharing this joyfully, yeah. you know, is just so important. This isn't heavy, heavy. No, you, know, you have to have fun too. You yeah. Know? yeah. We still have to have ABBA and the Beatles and <laughs> dying. What's your favorite ABBA song, Dr. June? Well, Let's get to the real important <laughs> stuff here. Like I've, I've actually, I've actually danced to dancing queen on, yes. on Broadway with Jean Houston, a dear friend of mine. Oh my and, um, <laughs> that's awesome. okay. That's as cool as the archeology. span I'm just going to say that. Is I mean, it's cooler cool. maybe, yeah. but yeah, maybe yes. Yeah. I don't want to judge. <laughs> Oh, I love that. That's amazing. I <laughs> love that. Well, mm-hmm. Gina, I I think yeah. that we were coming to, I mean, sadly, like, listen, not only could I listen to Dr. Jude forever, but okay. just to her voice, but now I just want to like follow her around. Okay. Mm-hmm. So you better get the papers ready. I am. Yeah. I mean, Dr. Jude. on a plane and I'm going to start she, stalking her. She does her. have a habit of being a little... T- <laughs> too close, too fast and stalking potentially. So I'm going to fill out some paperwork. The good news is you're across the pond. So it's a little harder for me to get there, but just in case she makes her way to, uh, to, uh, to your hometown, I'll, I'll make sure to get the, the, uh, the paperwork ready for you. So thank you. Keep her thank back. I mean, keep her just at a safe distance. So kind. Yeah. <laughs> Well, Keep we out with I the mean, paparazzi. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> that's right. That's right. Well, I mean, yes, yeah, so we had so many questions. We could talk to you forever. But is there anything that, and Gina, you too, since I can't see you and communicate in the same way, if there's right. anything that we missed that we need to cover, or Dr. Jude, is there something that you'd like to leave our audience with? Both of those. Thank you. It, well, first of all, it's been wonderful to be with you. And there's just probably two things. I think just to, to re-emphasize living our lives by the golden rule, if we just remind ourselves and re-heart ourselves of that, because it's a re-hearting, isn't it, of, of, yeah. of this deep understanding. And the other thing I'd, I'd perhaps find finish with is that this may seem very, very big to a lot of folks, but Actually, going back to what we said in the beginning, the universe breathes through each and every one of us. And, you know, we are its microcosmic co-creators. So, you know, we are, we are meaningful, purposeful, incredibly important to its evolutionary impulse and our planetary home's evolutionary impulse. Mm-hmm. So in whatever way calls for each of us, I'd say with all of this, 
act local, mm. feel global, Ooh, and, think, mm-hmm. and think cosmic. <laughs> oh, I love that. That's a mic drop, Dr. June. Oh, my God. Cosmic. Gina, you're not going to get that out of my vocabulary now. No, I'm going to get one of those helmets that are like with the little things, and I'm going to walk around because I'm thinking cosmic. (laughs) With with, with the slogan, or I like that. Yeah. Oh, I love that. Well, listen, I... I'm so sad to leave this conversation, but we have to go. We will link everything in the show notes, how to get a hold of Jude, where to find her books. We've got all that covered. And I just love you. Thank you so much. Uh, my admiration for you and your work and all that you do is expanded. I know our audience is going to be expanded and more hopeful and loving after your conversation. So thank you so very much. Thank you. Thank you, Holly. Thank you, Gina. It's been just my wholehearted joy to be with you today. And I love how you reframe science really just is all about the heart. I mean, once you understand it, it still comes down to what makes us all human and whole. So God, it's just beautiful. Thank you. Thank you for for the time this morning. Thank yes, you, Gina. And it is indeed, you know, this emergent cosmology is a, is a science of love. Yeah. It's a science of love. <sighs> a science of life. That's beautiful. Mm. All right. Everyone, thank you for joining us. Bye, everyone. Thank you for joining our VIP conversation. And please visit us at our website, www.loauncork.com. See you soon.